When you want to break up your fall monotony with something new and interesting to eat, try Blue Apron's two-in-four serving menu plans with those hard-to-find ingredients sure to spice up your weekend. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and health-conscious offerings. Get a $100 gift card, plus enjoy $130 off across your first six orders when you place an order by September 23rd. Visit blueapron.com unique2022. Texas Baseball Report with your host, Rip Griffin. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Texas Space Barport. My name is Rip Griffin. I am your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at RipGriffin3, and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Texas Baseball Report. It has been a little minute since we have done a live episode, but I am excited tonight because we are talking all things Astros baseball. Joining me is Keegan Crawford. He is a overtime heroic Schroeder writer covering the Houston Astros. Keegan, how's it going, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. How you been? Doing pretty good, man. Hey, uh, you've been doing some some really great work over there at Overtime, and it's uh, you know big exciting to kind of watch you continue to to write as a um, as a writer, as a journalist, and you just got accepted into Sam Houston or excuse me, Stephen F. Austin. Yes, sir. Congratulations on that. Yeah, that's thanks, pretty awesome. Man. Thanks. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. So yeah, that's that's pretty exciting as you continue your your writing career and you know doing things both on the baseball side and the football side as well with overtime. So, but uh, man, let's jump into this Astros team because you know we got the late start obviously with the lockout. That's all old news now as we are you know forty five games into this season. We are actually a quarter of the way through, and the Astros started off a little small. Little they started off hot, but now they are. I got a little cold, but now they're back and they're heating up again. You know, they just came off this arduous 33 games and 34 days uh, schedule. So they kind of get things out that out of the way. So overall, what are you what are your thoughts on the Astros as you know we hit this this quarter of the season with yeah, the Astros? I think they're doing fine. Um, I know last year, uh, around this time of the year, we had the bullpen issues with guys staying inconsistent. Uh, some of the starting pitching was a little shaky because we had Verlander out for the entire year with the Tommy John surgery. But really this year, I don't see any flaw in the team at, uh, except for the offense. Cause I mean, they, sometimes they can be dormant in some games, some days they're lighting, lighting up the scoreboard, but the pitching is what really has surprised me this year. You have Justin Verlander, 39 years old, coming off a of Tommy John surgery. Most, most of the time, most pitchers his age coming off that uh, surgery, they come out, they, if they even decide to pitch, they don't decide to retire. They come out and they struggle, you know, like Lance McCullers did back uh, in 2020 when he had Tommy John in 20, uh, was it 19? Uh, so I think it was, he was, it was 2018, uh, wasn't 2018. It? Cause, so he, yeah. Cause he missed all of 2019. Yeah. yeah. Cause in 2020, I remember McCullers had his, had his days where he was, he was on point and some days where he wasn't. 
2021, he came back and lit it up. But for what Justin Verlander is doing to me is, is so incredible. His ERA, he leads the majors in that. Uh, his wins leads the majors. He's insanely good. He's, he's putting up numbers. I think if he continues his role, he's going to win the Cy Young Award again this year. If not, he's for sure a lock for um, comeback player of the year. But the offense to me, uh, I would say it's not it's not relatively too early to start panicking, but it is something to kind of be mindful of. Um, I, I do know we, – we all know what this offense is, is capable of, but um, – it's kind of just a hit and miss at this point. Um, I mean, it's kind of all what I, what I got there. Yeah, no, it's, you know, those those numbers that you were kind of talking about with Justin Berlander, first in ERA with the 1.22, um, you know, wins, he's got six wins tied for first. He's, uh, his opponent batting average, he's at the top, number, ranked number one with a 161. His whip is a .72. I mean, the guy is truly a walking phenomenon of Tommy John. Yes. Because even even though he he said it before the season, you know, he didn't know how things were going to to actually how his arm was going to feel, and then also too, I mean, he called himself like a you know a test subject almost because nobody has actually gone through Tommy John at such a late age in his career, come back and been effective like he is. I mean, Cy Young candidate for sure. Newcomer of the year, like you said, for sure. I mean, it's truly amazing that what we are seeing from Justin Verlander. And talk about the pitching staff overall, because just overall, seeing I mean, it's been great. I mean, the only got two guys at the moment that I could, they're, they're, they have their hit and miss games, but I truly feel when they're on their game, they're on their game. And that's Jose Arquiti and Luis Garcia. We both know what they can do. Jose Arquiti, the best game I, I've witnessed him do was with game five of the 2019 World Series in uh, yes, Washington. Yeah. Dominant. And Luis Garcia last year in the in the ALCS, game six, took a no-hitter into like the sixth inning. He's These guys are really great. Um, and then Fromberg, um, if, I, if I remember correctly, he taught himself a new pitch this year. Um, what, the sinker? Or taught himself something. He's been using it a lot this year, this year but – He's, he's great. His ability to get the ground ball is really great. Uh, we've already talked about Justin Verlander. Urquidy's great. The only, his only flaw at the moment, he gives up a little too many hits. But right. yeah. to me, I don't care how many hits you're giving up as long as you're not putting, giving up runs. I mean, you can – I can give up all the hits I want, but it's, if I'm not give, give up, giving up any runs, I mean, that's, that's like a win. Um, Luis Garcia, kind of same thing too. He's gotten a lot better, I've noticed. Um and you got Lance McCullers Jr. currently on the IL. He's reportedly supposed to be coming back um, rehabbing soon, um, according to I think with Mark Berman on Twitter. Um, McCullers was starting to throw off a mound uh, last Sunday before the Guardians game. So McCullers is starting to get that uh, velocity back up there. And I think even right now, without McCullers in the, in the rotation, this, this rotation has the ability to take us deep into the playoffs. Yeah, no. You're, it's... you're adding McCullers later on in the year. It's only going to get better. But I do think when McCullers comes back, uh, Javier might be switched back into the bullpen, or because I don't know, because because you got McCullers coming back from injury. You also have Odorizzi coming back from injury. Javier is not a bad choice to keep in that bullpen because of how how long he can go. He's more of like a um, he just eat up innings. 
just in case, let's just say like Luis Garcia or somebody gets absolutely shelled in the first like three innings. You put Javier in there, he can just go from like four innings if, if needed. Yeah, he can get but, you a good four to five innings. And oh yeah, and some people on on Facebook on on my recent article uh, made brought up some good points. Keeping try to keep McCullers out as long as they can. Maybe cut and bring him back closer to playoff time, and so you can cruise into the playoffs, which is not actually a bad idea, but at this at this time, I don't think McCullers needs to rush anything. I mean, this pitching staff doesn't – they don't necessarily need him at the moment with how dominant they've been, which, I mean, not really a bad thing, but – Yeah, no, it's – this overall staff, I mean, right now it's ranked second in, in all of baseball with a, with a 281 ERA, which is only behind the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are at a 273. So – I mean, there's a possibility of a, a World Series rematch from 2017 that could be brewing between these two top pitching staffs if everything else continues. Still a long way to go for that. But, I mean, you talked about Jose Urquidy for a second. He's one of those if, that, you know, like you mentioned, it, if he keeps the ball down in the zone, he's he I, he can be very effective. And his, not this past start, but I, I believe the start previous to that, I mean, not a whole lot of strikeouts, but when the ball's in play and on the ground, it's it's easy outs. And that kind of, you know, the pitch count stays low. He can get through these innings. He can cruise through it. You know, Luis Garcia, I mean, like, like you mentioned as well, starting to get back into that mold as well. I mean, then, you, then you've got Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi, who, I mean, is right now is on the IL after you know, what was almost what we thought was the a torn Achilles, but just some type of ankle strains and whatnots within the muscles and the tendons. But he's going to be out, and he's been actually performing very well after shockingly. going. Yeah, shockingly. I mean, after going, you know, two thirds of an inning several starts ago to come back and to be locked in and to, you know, like you mentioned, like he mentioned, you know, he stopped wanting to stop pitching that crap. And yeah, I don't, I don't blame the guy. I mean, he was getting a lot of flack on social media yeah. and, uh, you know, those wanting him DFA'd and traded and sent him down struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had my my username on Twitter as just DFA Odorizzi, and I kid you not, like within the next week, his next couple of starts were just flawless. And I'm like, well, I guess you you got to take credit for that now. You got to take Astros credit for getting Astros Twitter has successfully bullied Jake Odorizzi into becoming great, and I think it's working right now with Bregman. I've seen some posts. Um, criticizing Bregman and his last couple of games, he's doubled in a couple of runs. So I think we just need to bully the entire team as a whole. <laughs> just, uh, you know, let them, let them see what social media is doing and what they're saying. They get their things yes. back going. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you kind of mentioned Bregman for a second. I mean, right now he's batting 230. Um, he does have six home runs uh, with a 344 on base percentage, 421 slugging. So not the numbers that we're accustomed to seeing for Bregman. I don't know. To me, and I will we'll get your opinion, he's always been traditionally traditionally very slow to start the season. And usually around that 60-game mark, which we're, we're coming up here pretty soon, he kind of starts to hit it. And he always talks about, you know, he's found his swing, he's made adjustments, but we just don't see it yet. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think at some point maybe Dusty Baker needs to put him down in the lineup? Maybe just to take some of the pressure off? See, that I wouldn't be opposed to that idea. I mean, it's not like you're benching the guy. Um, right. Because, I mean, because you got guys like Kyle Tucker that'll heat up, you know, sometimes. It would make sense to, to kind of swap him with Tucker or swap him with anybody down in the lineup just to kind of help him 
get up there. Um, Cause I noticed he's been in a lot of situations where there's runners and runners on and he'll strike out or he'll pop out. And whereas you got like guys like Tucker who can maybe get a walk or, you know, do something with it. Um, and I think part of it is just uh, me and maybe some most Nashville fans. Are, we we uh, kind of expect Bregman every year to, to be just like his 2019 self because we know what he, we know what he's capable of. Uh, we know last year he uh, suffered that hamstring injury that sidelined him for majority of the season. But even after the, the first, like I think it was August or September, he started to kind of really find his groove before uh, fracturing his wrist before the playoffs. But I mean, this year, at the beginning of the year, he was showing signs of. His 2019 self. I know when um, I think his first home run was against uh, Ryan Tapera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, he was he was doing good at the beginning of the year, and he's kind of slowing down. Um, I, I think I would hope he gets back to what, what he's accustomed to by the All Star break. But if not, I, I wouldn't blame Dusty if he would move him down, or even just let let Ms. Diaz take over for a game or two, just to kind of get Bregman better. But while we're on the subject of people being slow to start, um, what about Yuli? He's yeah, yeah. Yuli's been struggling compared yeah. to what he was doing last year. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know what's uh, you know what's going on with Yuli right now because, I mean, he, he's batting two twenty four. I mean, he's got uh, only three home runs, thirteen RBIs, an on base percentage of two fifty eight, slugging three eighty one, and an OPS of six thirty nine. I, don't, I mean, he's drawing the walks, though. I mean, he's got five walks this season. I mean, um, that's typically what he does. I mean, when you look at 2021, not sure where he was at at this point last season, but overall, I mean, he drew 59 walks. Two of those were intentional walks as well. But uh, striking out, he, he's striking out uh, quite a bit. He's got 23 strikeouts already. But, you know, when right before spring training, you know, Yuli came out and, you know, he had, you know, slimmed down a little bit and kind of looked like he was in better shape than he was in, in 2021. I mean, although he did win the batting title and a gold, gold glove as well at first base for defense. I mean, he's still a defensive great first baseman. Um, I can't help but wonder if maybe his age is starting to keep up, creep up on him. And maybe, you know, father time is kicking in and he's not uh, – being very productive at the plate now. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I can see what, what you're going with with that. Um, I've noticed he's starting to, to chase out of the zone a lot more than I'm accustomed to. I uh, believe the last, he was the last at bat on the, in the game against the Guardians on uh, Monday, and he swung at a slider way outside the zone to end it. Um, but with Yuli, I mean, I remember spring training. This spring training, I thought he was going to be really good this season because he was hitting just home run after home run. That, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see uh, his age getting to him. He's 37. Most guys usually start declining around with 30, 35 ish. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know because I mean, yeah, Tucker normally starts off slow, and then you know he'll he'll get up there. But with Yuli, I just I don't know. It's kind of get, giving me a kind of reminding me of the 2020 playoffs when Bregman and Yuli were almost non-existent because they didn't really do much as far right. as productivity. Yeah. But I mean, Yuli's great defensively. He's always, he always has been. It's just if the bat doesn't wake up, it's kind of almost like an automatic out at this point. Now, I remember last year, anytime there was runners in scoring position, Yuli somehow, some way, always drove them in. Right. And this year, he's struggled to do that alongside Bregman. So I mean, 
like you said, I got I mean, his age is probably just creeping up on him, but um, let's just hope that's the case. Not right. Else. Yeah, you know, it's. I, I thought maybe I heard something somewhere that maybe possibly this might be his last season. He might just retire, but I mean, that's, you know, that's all speculation right now, but yeah. I mean, you know, one guy that has continued just to be the little engine that could is Jose Altuve. Who's, you know, creeping up at the, around the 300 batting average right now at 288. But uh, since he came back from the IL, he's kind of been getting the, giving the Astros a little bit of mojo at the top of that lineup there, which is good to see good for him to get going you know it's a lot of things you know offensively with this astros team they are ranked ninth with a combined uh, two uh 232 batting average so they're in the top 10 way better than what they were a few weeks ago when they were down right they ranked at the bottom of the of the league to be honest but um you know all in all, I mean, the, I, I think this Astros team is is starting to uh, kind of start to find their groove right now. I mean, you know, they're they're sitting at 20, 29 and 16 right now in first place. They're two games uh, ahead of the Los Angeles Angels. And, uh, you know, hopefully if those if those Rangers can keep, uh, you know, piling it on with the, against the Angels, you know, helping us out, the Astros. So, you know, one the one few times that we root for the Rangers is when they play other teams in the division <laughs> that – <laughs> that uh you know can help the Astros kind of pad their lead a little bit but uh let's jump to the rookie possible rookie of the year candidate and Jeremy Pena this guy has been absolutely phenomenal since taking over from uh Carlos Correa who we all know took off to the Minnesota Twins what was your perspective when he when Correa left and Pena was going to take over what was your initial thoughts on that so originally like any other person I wanted Correa to stay um yeah. But then, then I started seeing what he what he was asking for as far as salary and and you know I'm a, I received a lot of uh, might get a lot of hate for from Astros Twitter on this one, but I don't think Correa was worth what he was wanting. He was wanting that ten year three hundred million, and I mean there are some players in the league that and I guess would be worth what he's asking for. But Correa has been too injury prone in his career. Right, uh, twenty twenty one is probably the last year I can remember off the top of my head in which Correa has been really didn't spend any time on the IL. Um, I mean he's great defensively, great offensively, but I I don't think three hundred million was was um, good enough for him. Um, I I don't blame the Astros for not trying to resign him because that three hundred million on one player is a bit been insane when you can spend that money elsewhere. Um. And so once I kind of came to the conclusion that maybe Correa wasn't going to stay, I started looking more into Jeremy Pena and started just, you know, wondering, is this kid going to be good enough to to fill such big shoes left by Correa? And, I mean, so far he has. Uh, uh, he's leading all rookie shortstops and really almost all rookies in general in, in certain categories. I mean, he's already got, what, seven home runs already. Two, he's almost batting 300 on the season. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And most rookies don't ever really come out and just dominate like he has, but He's probably, to me, aside from Justin Verlander, the biggest shock in, or surprise of the Astros this season because, I mean, no one really expected this kid to be as good as he is. And here we are, like, what a quarter of the way through the season, he's a likely rookie of the year candidate. It, it's insane. But, I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. you know, just like you mentioned, you know, rookie numbers, right? He, he's ranked second in slugging with a 504. Uh, he's sixth in batting average with a 293. First in the home runs, first in the RBIs. I mean, second in hits. I mean, fourth in OPS. I mean, the guy is, is doing it all at uh, 
the highest level of, of baseball. And especially what's really unique about his situation is he only played 37 games last season between double A AA and triple A. And that's it. And this is his first, you know, true test of longevity. You know, this is the longest that he's played in his professional career. And to put up the numbers that he's doing it, I mean, especially when you look at guys like Bobby Witt Jr., uh, we don't know what Adley Rushman's going to do yet because he just got called up, but he kind of fits into that you know, the that category. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, who, um, you know, with the Mariners, who the Astros will actually will be playing this weekend in Seattle. I mean, these are all guys that are top prospects, top rookie prospects, top rookie of the year candidate prospects. And Jeremy Pena is at the top of all these lists. And it just goes to show that the Astros made the right decision to get actually to let Correa go, bring in Jeremy Pena. And now we have a shortstop of the future that I want to see come next year and the season after that and kind of see where he's at. And then, you know, we could be talking at, you know, a gold glove winner, a platinum award winner, MVP. He can join all those talks there. So Jeremy Pena definitely has come on the, the scene this year and is completely taking the league by storm, and rightfully so. I mean, he he was filling the biggest shoes in the Astros lineup from 2021, and he's just, I mean, he, he's blowing the competition away, to be honest. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess you could say the Astros won the offseason if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> right? Uh, Resigning Justin Verlander for that short-term deal, not knowing what you're going to get out of him, and he comes out and he's almost picked like a Cy Young-worthy season not signing uh, Carlos Correa and bringing up Jeremy Pena. And it's like Correa almost never left, you know, um, a lot yeah, of exactly. good stuff. I, I think this year, if Pena were to win the rookie of the year and Verlander wins the Cy Young, I think it would be like the third time in Astros history where they've had that happen. Where uh, Interesting. Uh, okay. Because I think last time it happened was 2019. Verlander won the uh, Cy Young. Jordan won the rookie of the year. That's and right. I think it was 2015 or 20. 2015, I think, when Dallas Keuchel won the Scion and Correa won the Rookie of the Year. So I might, yeah. I might have got the year wrong, but it they, yeah, I think I got the year wrong on that one. But let's see, Keuchel and Correa did win awards like that. Let's uh, here, let's 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 check that out real quick because I think yeah. you're right. I think it is 2015 because that's when um, Correa got ca called up. Let me see, uh, 2015. What kind? Yeah, of, 2015. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're spot on there uh, on that. So, but yeah, I mean, that's uh that's pretty good company. I mean, it's a pretty good category to be a part of and especially within the, within the Astros record books. So, but uh, I mean, 45 games in you're sitting in first place right now. Offense is doing great. Oh, I, I'm going to say great. They are doing great. I mean, even though the bottom part of that lineup, I mean, especially with, you know, Martin Maldonado, Jason Castro, those guys really aren't doing a whole lot right now as far as offensively. I mean, Maldonado is a good defensive catcher, but I think at some point we're going to see possibly the Astros make a, a move, probably not until later on. We need to see what Corley can continue to do down there in Sugarland because he's pretty much the Astros catcher of the future, especially with Castro and Martin Maldonado both being on free agent this year. So yeah. uh, this is their walk years, but um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, uh, Castro is considering ret retiring at the end of this year. Yeah. So that automatically, 
I would not be opposed to Corey Lee coming up. I've seen highlights of what he's doing down in Sugarland, and I'm honestly just anticipating his his arrival. Martin Maldonado, he's great for defense. Um, I I think that's really the only reason Houston's kept him because his offense is really anemic. You have like that one game where he'll hit, he'll hit a home run and then he'll just go dormant for like weeks. Uh, Jason Castro was real clutch last year in late yeah. game situations, but this so far this year, his I think his batting average is below 100. He's not. He's no, but I mean, even if both of them leave this offseason, you still got Corey Lee coming up, and you can go out there and resign or sign any catcher you want. Um, I think they'll be fine either way because I mean, you see, Corey Lee's got a cannon for an arm. He's almost like oh, yeah. a younger Martin Maldonado, but with like the bat of let's just say Mike Zeno, just somebody that can that can hit. You know, that's a good reference yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's you know, I I didn't get the chance to see Corey Lee too much last season. I he was um, he got called up late in September to AAA Sugarland. I think it was to try to get him some more at bats. And the one game that I went to, he was in the lineup, but I mean, he may have gone like one for two, one for three. So, um, of course, you know, one game on there, I, I, I probably jinxed him and probably, you know, uh, killed his batting average a little bit. But, um, I mean, just by looking here, looking at him, look at the numbers, um, he's definitely the reason why the Astros have him so ranked so high within the top prospects. At uh, I think he's number two now behind Jeremy Pena. So, um, you know, there's a lot of other prospects as well. I mean, we still haven't seen what Forrest Whitley can do yet. Um, the Astros have another guy, Alex Santos, Pedro Leon. Uh, Hunter those, Brown. Yeah, Hunter Brown as well, which is I think we might see him at some point this season, maybe in September as a call-up. But, I mean, regardless of what happens within the rotation, within you know the lineup, the Astros are stacked. And that kind of leads me to, what's going to happen kind of towards the trade deadline. So the Astros are sitting, let's see, let's go for an example here. And you did an article on this. I want to touch on it. The, uh, the possibility of Juan Soto, because Juan Soto is gaining a lot of uh, traction as far as trade talks, you know, mm -hmm. what, because I mean, the nationals, they're, they're in full rebuild mode, having him on, on the, in the lineup on the roster, uh, definitely can eat up, um, a lot of money and if the, if the nationals are able to get prospects in return then of course they will probably let him go but talk about juan soto what do you think he could bring to this astros lineup if they quote unquote do a trade with the nationals i think he brings even more power to the offense um you if you put him in the outfield that gives you an outfield of uh assuming michael brantley leaves this offseason uh, you you got Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, and Juan Soto, three really powerful left-handed bats you can put anywhere in that lineup. Um, I mean, he and he is young, so you'd have him for – if you were able to lock him down with the contract, you'd have him for almost his entire career. And uh, I know lots of Astro fans wouldn't wouldn't want to see Soto in Astros uniform. I personally wouldn't be, wouldn't be opposed to it because whatever helps the team win, I'm all for it. Right. You know? Um, uh, I didn't like watching Soto in the 2019 World Series for obvious reasons, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But looking back on it now, he he made Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole that year, who were both top two in Cy Young uh, voting. He made them look average, which yes, I yeah. mean that's got to be that's impressive. Like and Justin Verlander was out there just absolutely dominating in 2019. Same thing with Garrett Cole, and Juan Soto just went out there and just 
teed off on them. And I think if the Astros had that, it would, I mean, it would definitely help them in the playoffs against teams like the Yankees and, and everybody else. I think Juan Soto would bring a lot of power to that already stacked lineup. But the thing is, what would Houston give up for him? Right. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. So who do you think the Astros would would give up? Because, you know, they're going to have to give up some top prospects in return to get a guy like Juan Soto, who's, I mean, right now. I don't know who all would Nationals want, you know, because there's Pedro Leon, there's Hunter Brown, Horace Whitley, but there's a lot of of possibilities. Um, What I went off of on my um, article I used the uh, the trade that almost happened back in 2018 when Bryce Harper was set to become a free agent that year before he signed with the Phillies. The Astros almost pulled off a massive trade acquiring Bryce Harper from the Nationals. And looking back on that one, the, the Astros were going to send the Nationals three minor league prospects. And at the time, or the players weren't anything major at the time. Um, but look, I kind of went off of that, and assuming that they went with the same um, style they did that back then. Um, I kind of just wrote up just McCormick, Siri, and Leon, just kind of throwing names out there. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be bad. Uh, I think that, I, I, again, I don't pay attention much outside the Astros as far as the other team needs. Uh, so I don't really know what the Nationals need. And you, and you said, like you said, they're in rebuild mode. So they're probably just looking for any sort of young talent. Um, I, I, I kind of lost, I don't know who they would send in return. So I, I kind of just did a quick little brief research on that trade that was, that didn't happen between that, the Washington nationals and the Astros for Bryce Harper. So the Astros were going to do a three prospect package, which was for right-hander JB Bustakas. And then there was two other prospects that were both in the lower minors, but also to catcher Garrett Stubbs was the possibility to be the third piece within that that trade. So uh, J.B. Boustakis is a, a guy that actually um, the Astros did end up trading in, in 2019 for Zach Greinke. So he is uh, he was a former first-round pick, uh, 15th overall, drafted in 2017. So um, I don't believe he has cracked the major league level yet. So, oh, he did make an appearance in 2021. Uh, that's that's J.B. Bustakis. But they did give up him uh, to get Zach Greinke. But, um, you know, that's that's interesting that, you know, uh, not sure who the lower prospects were as far as pitchers. But you had kind of have an idea that they probably weren't anybody that would make the big leagues right away. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from Garrett Stubbs, who is now with with the Philadelphia Phillies, but uh, it's interesting. You know, these uh, these trade pieces that uh, you know that happen that go down, and you're like, well, why did they give up that guy? Because he has the, the possibility to fulfill a spot in the lineup later on. But you know, look at the Justin Verlander trade for with Detroit. The the, the Tigers are finally just now getting a return on on the guys that the Astros traded to Detroit. And so um, the, the the trade effect is may not be, you know, right now immediate, but in the future. And it's, you know, by then those those guys are either that the Astros required or either now gone like Grinky is. But yeah, it's, it's crazy how these trades kind of work out and the, the players that the Astros or teams in general just give up. So 
Uh, I was just curious to see who all the Astros gave up. But, um, but I mean, it's interesting. You know, you talk about Pedro Leon and you talk about Hunter Brown. I mean, even to Corey Lee and some other guys within the lower minors that are going to make an impact. Forrest Whitley, like I mentioned, we haven't seen what Forrest Whitley can do. He's one of those that the Astros have held on to for years now. He's been in multiple trade talks, and the Astros have not let him go, rightfully so. Uh, he's still a young guy, drafted out of high school. Still has got a lot of good upside, so maybe we might see him at some point, possibly this season, maybe next season, after he comes off of Tommy John as well. So, But the trade deadline is going to be interesting, Keegan. I really think it is. It's going to be, um, you know, we saw a flurry of, of – you know, free agent signings before the lockout. We saw a lot of things happen after once everything lifted. But uh, as teams like the Astros, the Dodgers, that are kind of starting to kind of break away, we're going to see these teams hopefully make some moves. What are your thoughts on center field right now? I'm gonna. I, I know I'm kind of bouncing back and forth here, but center field with with the the the, the platoon, excuse me, of Chas uh, McCormick and Jose Siri with those two guys bouncing back and forth. How's that working for you for, right now? See, um, I think at the moment it's not too big of an issue because you play each and every one. You play them each on different days. You got like McCormick starting one day, Siri the next. Uh, I think once Jake Myers comes back from uh, injury, I think they're going to go three-way with it. But um, e e McCormick and Siri, they both each have their flaws, their their strength, you know. Uh, McCormick definitely has the better bat and series got the better defense. Um, I don't mind what um, Dusty's doing right now, uh, using both of them every now and then. But the time's going to come, he's going to have to pick one to stay there. Um, and who that is, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause there are, I mean, there are some days where Chaz McCormick is just absolutely terrible at, at the plate and same right. thing with Jose Siri. Um, but I think once Jake Myers comes back and they start putting all three of them in the in the outfield and center field and just let them kind of play, I think then we'll finally know who the better of the three is, um, and then we'll just go from there. Um, I want to say it's Jake Myers, but then we haven't seen him much this year. Uh, I think he is starting his rehab assignment uh, in like the little simulated games out in Florida at the moment. Right. Um, I think between McCormick and Siri, the one I would – like to see the most i guess would be siri uh, i think he went like he had like two doubles or a run score he, he did good last game um and he's got that the speed in the outfield i think he would be the go-to guy um but mccormick's also an option option it's kind of a tough choice that's why you and i are not uh managers because <laughs> we would <laughs> i know i know for i couldn't make these decisions because i'm a little too biased toward certain players but um, that's why Dusty gets paid the big bucks. I honestly, he knows better than what we're doing. Um, I think, like I said, once you just wait till Myers gets there, even when Leon, if, if they think he's ready, it's kind of the ball's in their court. And I don't mind what they're doing now because it's, it's seemed to work. So it's kind of up to them. Yeah. Jose Siri is one of those guys that I, I partic particularly liked when he was during uh, in the world series, he just showed flashes of, excitement i think that's kind of what he, he brings that that positive energy to that uh, that clubhouse and i think it's one of those that you know it's contagious and you know the more that we see jose siri i mean he he did good last night you know one for three or excuse me one for two had a double did strike out once i think that's one of the things that you know we're going to start to see uh, hopefully go down as the strikeouts for for jose siri but 
you know, another guy that they have is uh, Corey Jokes. I'm kind of looking at the um, sure, uh, Space Cowboys right now and kind of just, just kind of see how, you know, they're, they're doing and whatnot. But, um, you know, a lot of good guys down in the minors that can continue to, you know, definitely add depth to this Astros team. So, um, all in all, I mean, great first quarter of the season for the Astros. So, Keegan, I got one more question for you real quick. If you had to put four players on route, route um, Mount Rushmore, who would they be? Astros players. Are we going all time or current roster? You know what? I got, I got different answers for both if we're going off of <laughs> yeah, Let's see. I tell you what. Let's go. Let's go current. Let's go current right now. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore? So starting off, I'm going to go Jose Altuve, fan favorite. Um, should have his jersey retired by the Astros whenever he retires. I mean, he's been an inspiration story to so many people, starting off just a small kid out of Venezuela, trying out for many different MLB teams, being denied every time because of his height, and finally getting his opportunity with the Astros. And a little on down the road, 10 years later, World Series champ, MVP. He's been great, so he's definitely got my vote, number one there. Uh, number two, I'd have to go Verlander. And Verlander's been great ever since he came over uh, to Houston in 2017. He helped them win that World Series. Um, since then, he's been consistent, and this year, been dominant. Um, number three, uh, I would have to go probably um, probably Jordan because I mean, okay. Yeah. Since since he was really drafted, or not really drafted, uh, called on his, his first game. As a matter of fact, against the Orioles, he, his second at bat crushed a home run to right uh, left center. Oh, he did, he York. sent that one over the batter's eye. He sent that. Yeah, that was to uh, for, forgot the pitcher, but uh, I was watching that game. Second at bat, just launched it. And I think he holds the record for like the longest home run hit in Minute Maid. Uh, oh. Triple deck shot. That's uh, right. That was in uh, 2019. Yeah. Also and, uh, in 2019, little fun fact. I one of the the one game I went to in 2019 was Players Weekend. He uh, during bat uh, batting practice hit the jumbotron, and there's a little picture I have on my phone. Is they have it's on the corner of it. it says like "Nice shot, Jordan." With the arrow <laughs> pointing. It's hilarious. Um, number four. I, I this is tough. I'm trying to. There's so many people I can go from. Uh, it would have to be like a three-way tie between oh, okay. Bregman, Yuli, and Tucker. Yuli wow. because Yuli because he's been great defensively for Houston since he came in yeah. in 2017. Offensively, you know, winning that batting title last year, Gold Club last year. Um, Bregman, who I think should have won that MVP in 2019. Right. That, that, that's the one that was confusing to me. Trout missed a lot of time toward the end of the, end of the year uh, injured. But Bregman just continued to produce, but I felt like he should have won that one. Uh, he's it's been the great name. Too. It's the name right there. Mike, you, yeah, you, talk, you, yeah. you start talking about Mike Trout, and no matter he, he could sit out the entire season, and somebody's going to vote him in for an MVP. Yep. I mean, you it's play just, one game, play one game, go four for four with four home runs in that one game out of the 162, and somehow win MVP. Exactly. But, yeah, but and then Tucker's on there as well because he's been great. Um, he had he didn't really I didn't really know much about Tucker until 2020 when I started noticing he um, 
he was playing a lot more in the outfield, um, kind of splitting time with Reddick out there in right field. But right. Ever since Springer left and Tucker's become that main guy, he's filled in perfectly, almost like um, similar to how Pena's covering for Correa now. Tucker's held his own. He's been really fun to watch. His his swing looks pretty painful, but he, <laughs> yeah. he's been really fun to watch. And, um, that, yeah, that would be my four. Now, all time, I got a completely different list I can go on and on about, but that's the <laughs> current one. Yeah, it's it's hard to put just four, no matter yeah. whether it's current or, or or past, into that you know the, those four on route on Mount Rushmore because I mean, I mean you, you can fill up three with you know Bagwell, Altuve, and Biggio right there, and then of course I mean you can either do Bre- uh, Bregman or you can do Lance Berkman. And it, it's just the, the list can go on and on. You would actually have to like carve out more pieces of yep. just to extend. Uh, you can't to, just slim it down to four. You'd have to go much bigger than that. I can do like a top 10, but I can't just slim it down to four because I got so much personal bias with some of the, some of the players like Lance Berkman is the whole reason I started watching baseball at, at a young age. So he's obviously my favorite Astro of all time. And then, um, Bagwell's up there too, just his stance. He's real fun to listen to in the booth and and watch the game. And you got Biggio, and I can go on and on. Houston's got a long history of really talented players that you can't just slim it down to four. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially you look at guys like you, know, uh, Joe Morgan, and uh, the 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 Toy Cannon, and uh, you know Jimmy Wynn and Jose Cruz and Jose yeah, yeah Cruz Mike Scott. Um, yeah, I mean they are Richard all along. All these guys, Nolan Ryan too. Even though he's, I mean, he spent eight seasons with the Astros, but um, you know that was a lot of his his middle uh, prime of his career was with the Astros. So Ken Caminiti, all the, all the, yeah, the yeah. You know, I almost actually I almost had the opportunity to meet Nolan Ryan on, on Saturday when I was in Round Rock with the Express, but just kind of just missed him. But he was there. Um, so I didn't want to make it look like I was stalking the guy, you know, just waiting, <laughs> you know, just pacing in the, in the in the press box in the clubhouse. I mean, just looking, waiting for him. So uh, I, I started covering it. Yeah, that was so. me at Astros Fan Fest this past year. <laughs> I went and I paid the extra money to go get the five autographed baseballs from Astro Legends. Now, I walked in there fully expecting to see Bag- uh, Bagwell and Biggio, <laughs> but they, they weren't there. But um, there was Larry Durker, uh, Jose Cruz, Michael Bourne, and two other guys. I can't remember their names. But, I mean, that was me. I, I, I tried not to be as awkward. I, I kind of just stood there and just, like, shook their hand. I was kind of, like, at a loss for words. Like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. Right. Like, I, I know me and Michael Bourne <laughs> sat there for, like, me and Michael Bourne had, like, a two-minute-long conversation just at the end of the table hall. I was like, man, I was just telling him, like, dude, I used to love watching you play back when I was a kid. You, Berkman, and – Pens were really my, my favorites, and he was all like, "Oh, thanks, man." You know, I, I went back. My mom was uh, thought it was funny. I'm, I'm sitting there. She's wanting to she wanted to uh, take a picture of me holding a baseball. I'm just over here, just like <laughs> just shaking. Yeah, like, oh my god, I got to do it. Yeah, it's yeah, but, that's that's pretty crazy. That's awesome though. But uh, yeah, but man, uh, King, I appreciate you coming on, uh, talking no Astros, uh, talking Astros baseball with me. It's it's always fun to, you know, as we you know get the season kind of like, like I mentioned, we're a quarter of the way through kind of seeing where the team is at right now, you know, got the all-star break coming up. And then next thing you know, it's that push for, for October, 
in the second half. So it's going to be fun to watch the Astros. You know, they are fixing to kick off a weekend series up there in Seattle, which right now I believe Seattle is in. I know they're last place in the in the West. Last I checked, I think the the Athletics have been um, yeah doing a little better lately. So, the Athletics would surprise me because them and the and the Reds they pretty much just self-destructed their entire team. Yeah. The athletics are not too bad considering what they've done, but Seattle's yeah. a big surprise. Signing yeah. away and all that. Yeah. It's, I think everybody expected the, the Seattle Mariners to, to be at the top of the division and they were for just a little bit, but you know, now they're sitting back 18 and 27, 11 games back out of first. So, the Astros definitely have a opportunity to kind of extend that league in, in the American League uh, West. Excuse me, um, I believe Texas plays Oakland this weekend as well. So I know the Angels start a series with the Blue Jays tonight, and I think when they're done with the Blue Jays, um, they play. I think they go straight into New York to play the Yankees. Okay, I could be wrong. They they play the Blue Jays. They, and it's the Blue Jays. I think the Rays and Yankees. It's two. It's good team. So we're gonna see if the Angels are really legit, and hopefully not. Hopefully Houston can just pat, uh, <clears throat> build that lead in the division long. But um, yeah, I mean, people, uh, people tend to forget this offseason when they're all the all the other AL West teams are bulking up. Who really runs the division? Yeah, exactly. People are saying, well, Houston's not gonna compete. They didn't really do anything, and here they are, first place, like nothing. It's, it's exactly. Easy. Yeah. You know, looking at the Astros real quick, uh, on the road, they're 15 and 10, which is, um, looks like they are tied for, uh, yeah, third actually, because, uh, San Diego, the Mets, uh, they're in the National League have, you know, better home, better road records. I mean, they're tied with the, the Yankees are 15 at six on the road. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a fun, uh, series in, in Seattle. Hopefully they can kind of gain some ground. Some other teams playing the Angels. Hopefully they can, you know, help us out. And you know, distance distance is what we need right now. We need to see. We need to kind of break away a little bit in the American League West. That way, it kind of uh, makes things a little bit easier. But the schedule now, not so arduous. It's going to be you know, 33 games in 34 days was tough. Those guys are tired. But now it's it's kind of back to, you know, they're fixing to do. I believe a. a three city road trip here coming up. Then they got a day off. So they kind of have a day off in between now, which is good. So, but uh, Keegan, man, I appreciate you coming on talking Astros baseball. Tell everybody where they can find you, where, the, where they can follow you and where they can uh, find your articles at. So yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Keegan Crawford. I'm also on Facebook on Astros 411. Um, you can find my page on overtimeheroics.net. Uh, just find any of my articles, to, uh, click on my name and there's my page there. Um, and thanks, Rip, for having me on the show tonight. Uh, been fun talking Astros baseball with you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate it. It's always fun. I'm glad we were able to get back to doing a live episode. It, it's been some time since we've done one. So uh, glad to have you back on. And, uh, you know, the Astros are, are, are rocking and rolling right now. They are 29-16 uh, sitting at first place, two games ahead of the Los Angeles Angels. So uh, definitely a lot of things that, that are coming in the future for the Astros. So just got to keep plugging away. And uh, October is the goal. So but that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram, Facebook at Texas Baseball Report. If you have any baseball questions you want to call in, you can do that. That number is 210-263-3253. We can do a mailbag and answer your baseball questions. So, But uh, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Take care.